0: Pursuing your
2: future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams, one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you guys get to hear from Michelle Cannon, and I have a uh, working knowledge of the great work that Michelle does as I went through one of her programs and learned so much, not just about food and fitness and general health, but how those things relate to this particular season of life as I am in perimenopause and many of you are. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from Michelle, to hear her startup story and to get a little bit of her expertise as well. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Netta. I'm so pleased to be here. Oh, it's so fun to have you here and to hear your story, which I don't know. I actually don't know your whole startup story and how you came to this place. So I'm excited to unpack that. But first, just to give our audience a little bit more information on kind of the Michelle Cannon world, the MC fit world. Can you give (laughs) us a little taste of all the things that you do? Because you do so many things in this kind of fitness and nutrition space.
1: Well, I own a company called Michelle Cannon Fitness and Nutrition, MC Fit for Short, as you said. I'm, you know, certified personal trainer. That's how I got my start. Um, then I layered on my fitness nutritionist certification and then behavioral change specialist. So those certifications say a lot about what my company looks like uh, because again, I started out training people actually in a mommy and me group. And then I realized, gosh, you know, it's working, but we need another layer. And then the nutrition part came in and then you put it all together by obviously right creating habits around these things. So personal training, I do health and nutrition coaching as you know, Netta. And around that, I talk a lot about wellness and how to make these habits stick. So a lot of different things going on, but um, based around obviously fitness and nutrition.
2: One of the things I loved about working with you and unpacking how you do things is, there's several things, but two that jump out. It was low barrier to entry. And I generally eat. The food I like is pretty healthy. That's not to say I don't have bad habits. i could chip and salsa myself into a frenzy. But when I received the information, so just to give the audience some context, literally I received what to eat on given days with Michelle. And this was matched up with my, would you call it metabolic cycle or my
1: perimenopausal cycle? It was actually matched up to your metabolism. So when I saw you, we did an in body and I, I figured out how much muscle you had in your body, how much fat, and that gives me your resting metabolic rate. That's how many calories you burn while doing nothing. So from yeah. there, I was able to, and then gather how much activity you did and say, okay, Netta, you need to eat 1,800 calories per day. Yeah. Divided in that, here are you know, the macros, protein, fat, or carbohydrates. And that's what I did for you.
2: So getting that was, first of all, just super helpful to know that what I was doing was intended for my body versus mm-hmm. scrolling through Instagram and finding something that worked for a 28-year-old and wouldn't work for me or finding something that didn't take into consideration this particular stage in life. Again, I just talk about the perimenopausal thing, just to say the hormone fluctuations and and all those things, and also looking at like how that has changed my body so dramatically. So I think that was that was one thing that, okay, I can actually do this, everything on this sheet of paper I can do. Uh, in fact, there were days where I was like, this is a lot of protein, I'm full. I was never, ever, ever hungry. It was really just trying to pay attention to what I should be doing, what I should be putting in my body and how I should be nurturing my body. But the other thing that was was great and we've already touched on it, was just how curated for me it was. It gave me this confidence that, okay, if I do these things that are intended for me and for my body, and then I check in with Michelle and I say, I don't like this, or I do like this, or this is working, or this is not working, I've got somebody there who can come back and say, okay, well, let's tweak this a little bit, or why don't you try this on the third week or whatever. So I appreciated both of those things, low barrier to entry, but also how Mm -hmm. customized it was for me. I so want to get into yeah. all this juiciness because I know our listeners do too. But first, how did you get started in the industry? You talked a little bit about your background in terms of your education mm-hmm. and you know being certified for these things. But how did
1: you start here? Were you a kind of fitness nut to begin with? I was an athlete growing up. My dad got me into tennis, and I was 10 years old, and I did all the junior tennis circuit and, and then went on to play in college. Um, so fitness has been ingrained in me from being very little getting out of college i didn't think i was going to go into anything that i am doing now you know just really thinking i need a career and you know climb the corporate ladder and all that so i went into um, pharmaceutical sales from there you know i didn't love it i loved the entrepreneurial part and being able to be on the go and sort of select your customers and do that's part i knew that i liked but there's many aspects of that i didn't like and then it wasn't until i had my child um cider who's now 18 that I went into fitness really out of necessity because I wanted to be able to work out. And with with him, I I became a stay-at-home mom, and he didn't allow me to go to the gym because he wouldn't stay in the daycare for longer than 20 minutes. Very (laughs) attached to me. So I formed a mommy and me group, and I would lead it, but I would bring my child or bring our kids in strollers and found like-minded moms with kids about the same age, and they'd play, we'd put them in a circle, and we would do our squats and our push-ups. And so it was more of a side hustle, but um, that's how it started.
2: And when did you sort of realize, mm, I've got something here? And not just I've got something here, like there's a demand for it, but I actually like this work. I think I want to expand this. I want to I build on this and turn this into something a little bit more formal.
1: It wasn't until I hit 40. During the time when he was a baby, and I was doing, it was really a side hustle, and it was something different to do that made me a little bit of money, you know, aside from being, you know, a mom to a young child and doing all the duties that take all your time. But when I turned forty, the owner of the gym that I worked out at asked me if I wanted to start teaching group spin classes. Never done that before. I only would, you know, just go do these little small groups with babies, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to try it. And that little thing like catapulted me into this whole different realm of confidence mm. being able to talk to and teach large groups of people you know 20 sometimes 40 and and then things started happening from there like i i ended up working for this company called stride locally here and their parent company asked me if I wanted to do like digital filming. I've never done this before. Here I am, you know, in my wow. 40s when everyone else is doing this in this space center in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. And I realized I was very comfortable in front of a camera. And again, talking to people in a different way. So, you know, maybe not directly related to nutrition, but a shift happened. And maybe it was imperceptible at the time, but it just kind of built from there.
2: I mean, you talk about there's so many 20-something-year-olds doing this kind of work. But I think your age probably benefited and inspired those people that became your loyal audience, right? Because it was like, it would be really hard, I'll be honest, for me at 55 to be getting information about my shifts since menopause or since perimenopause and what I should be Mm -hmm. doing about my life. If I'm talking to somebody who's like, you know, 10 years past puberty, like that would be a little rough for me. I want to speak to somebody who's been there, who understands that, who speaks the language, who understands kind of all the things we have to juggle. And it's, you know, we don't have two hours to go work out. So I think that that audience must have been so attracted to you to see somebody who was so fit, and who was living the same life that they were living, who was in a similar stage as them. Do you think that that had something to do with what's really become your success and your local popularity?
1: Yes. You know, I'm 47. And I used to think, you know, when I was younger, it's like, you have to look perfect. You have to, you know, lead this lifestyle to make people. That's when people will respect you and become inspired. And I'm learning, no, once I start sharing the stories of my Mm -hmm. own perimenopause journey, it's not perfect. Things that are happening to my body now, I I have no answer for sometimes, you know, but I'm going to find out. And I think it just makes it more relatable. You know, we were talking pre-show just about our kids graduating and going to, yeah. you know, college. It's like there's that shift too, right? Where all of a sudden we used to be these moms that used to bandage the skin knees and they needed us. And now it's like, what does that mean? So as to me, I, I do. I want to be relatable to my audience, be able to empathize with them, have these conversations, you know, that I can participate in as well. So I want them to feel safe, really. I mean... Obviously they do, which is why you
2: have this ever growing fan base, but go back a little bit more to your story. So you have this opportunity to teach this spin class, you then get hired at Stride and Stride again for our listeners is a, would you call it a
1: running fitness platform? What would you call it? Stride is more of a a fitness studio. It's treadmill-based. The beauty about it is you can have runners and walkers in the same room. So we are on the treadmill and then we do weights. It's a circuit training, but treadmill-based. So
2: you're at Stride. Their parent company says, hey, we see something in you. We want you to create these on air. Were they tutorials? Were they videos for YouTube? What were they that you were creating?
1: So, Stride's parent company is called Exponential, and Uh they are the biggest fitness franchise company in the world. Oh my gosh. They picked up Stride, Pure Bar, Cycle Bar, Row House. These are some of their brands. They wanted a brand in every vertical. Stride was one of their last acquisitions. And I mean, I had to audition, again, thinking like, there's no way, but let me just film this really quickly and submit it, you know, at the last hour. And uh, so surprised when they called me back and hired me. But um, that was in 2019. And basically, I'm filming stride workouts. I'm on a treadmill you've come to a stride class before, usually the instructors, they're not on the treadmill, they're walking and they're coaching, but I'm running <laughs> and coaching yeah. um, through the workouts you would get in the studio. So like a Peloton, you know, um, hate to mention a competitor, but that's what it is.
2: Well, again, good for just those who don't know it to understand what it is. Yes. So now you literally have a platform, like intentional or not, between the community that, you know, the people that have been with you since the mommy and me days, you have what's happening with stride, you have this platform that's really being built for you and by you. What do you do next to then get one step closer to what we now know is Michelle Cannon Fitness?
1: I had this in my mind too. I was thinking about a lot about my clients and what was sort of that missing piece. My mind just went to protein and supplements. But believe it or not, and you learned this from me doing the meal plans, it's hard to get the required amount of protein in, and that's tantamount for women our age. So I'm like, there's not a good tasting protein powder out there that's clean, that women will like to have. So I thought about it, it became a spark, but then the pandemic hit, and I slowed down quite a bit because everything closed down. So I spent my time researching and developing my own protein powder, and that was my next step. Um, So now MC Fit Natural Whey Protein is out there. It's almost three years old, and I'm very proud of it, and it just seemed like a very natural progression, and people do love it, and I love it, so...
2: I can attest. It is actually (laughs) very good. And I'm not being paid at all. (laughs) You can use it with lots of different things to create whatever your sort of smoothie flavor of choice is. It's it's a great base for all of those things. And alone, actually, I would say. yeah. So you create that, but then you have other offerings. You have a five-day reset. You have the program I did, which was, how many weeks was that?
1: It was six weeks. And then we ended up doing some longer counseling. Okay.
2: And then I know some people will meet with you for some fitness instruction as well, like in real time. Yes.
1: Another thing that I offer, which is fairly new, um, it is called the MC Fit Midlife Academy. Awesome. This is something that I'm so passionate about. I'm finishing up with my first cohort now, launching into the next one starting tomorrow, and it's all online. Awesome. And it is directly you know, what you and I worked one-on-one with, but just really understanding this time of life, um, whether you're perimenopausal or through menopause, how to eat, how to exercise, and what wellness habits will you know take us through this and make us shine from here and beyond.
2: <laughs> so you actually now have a program that our listening audience who doesn't live in the LA area can access. Is that true? Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yes. Okay. We'll have your URL and all of your handles in the show notes so people can learn more about that. What made you decide besides probably the very obvious, but to launch that or to really specialize in that, I would say.
1: It's you guys. Yeah. I've, you know, coached women again that, that are, you know, postpartum, and then now we're in this different phase of life. And the things that we thought were working, or I even thought, you know, okay, let's just restrict calories. And, you know, it's, it's not calories in, calories out anymore. Let's apply this type of macros. It's not a one size fits all. It's how do we fluctuate again with, you know, the drop in progesterone that's happening, the estrogen, like how do mm-hmm. we, we change? And what other things do we need to put in place? Because at this stage in life, we're just a little less resilient, not any less powerful, right? In fact, I think this is such a powerful time of life. But we need to start leaning in a little bit more instead of being pissed off and thinking our body's betraying us. It's like our bodies are trying to tell us something. Let's just lean in and, and try to listen and slow things down.
2: I like that paradigm shift. That's, I I think, a meaningful one for us. Okay. So we understand a little bit about all the things you now offer, and it sounds like this is evolving. It's all relatively new, really. It's in the last few years that you've developed all of this. What's next for Michelle Cannon? Like, what are the other things that you hope in the near or far or distant, rather,
1: future that you're wanting to accomplish through your platform? Oh my goodness! It, this and this is, I think, the blessing and the curse of entrepreneurship. Right? It's like you you get there, and it's like, okay, you can never stop thinking or dreaming about what's next. And and that's what I, I think. It's like I know where I'm in the right space because I am always dreaming and thinking of the next thing. So I would love, obviously, to expand my audience, which is one of the reasons I created this Midlife Academy because again, we can do this from anywhere. I'm um, a retreat. You know, I love things in person, too, where we have that real connection. So somewhere down the road bringing, I don't know, you or other people, we can go to Costa Rica or... Let's do it. Know, Let's, do Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes,
2: I'm in. I'm absolutely in. I think actually for this stage in life, this kind of 40, 50, 60 stage in life, I think getting away and getting out of our head and getting out of our routine becomes really important. So for the work that you're doing around nutrition and fitness, it becomes a way to to carve out space specifically to think about that. But I also think it's so many other things, like rethinking how we're spending our days, rethinking where we're allotting hours. And for those of us who have had major shifts, like children leaving, (laughs) there is something that we have to put in place for that because it's a very weird time. I mean, I can honestly say, like I've had some days where I'm like, I'm borderline depressed, I think, because it's a big shift. It's a really big shift to think of, not just that personality being gone from the house, but also like the shift in how I spent my time and who I am as a mother and how I show up. It's a huge deal. Unless we turn to food to solve those problems. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to have the resources you offer. But I like this idea of of the trip because I think it's it's not just a a fancy getaway. I think it can become a very meaningful, carved out, intentional time for people in this stage of life. Did you always know you wanted to be your own boss? You talked about kind of getting a little bit of that little taste of entrepreneurship when you were doing the medical sales. But did you know this is is where I'm going to land? I really want to be my own boss.
1: No, but I knew what I didn't like, right? I mean, I internship in in college where I had to sit at a desk for eight plus hours a day. I'm like, I really don't like this. I can't sit still for a very long period of time. So that went into pharmaceuticals where, you know, you're out and about a little bit more. It wasn't until again, I started dabbling in that side hustle of the mommy and me that I thought, you know, I like creating my own programs. I like creating my own hours. And so now absolutely, yes, I would never go back. Um, This is the right spot for me. I love the creativity that's involved, you know, like I can be flexible.
2: Have you found a group of other founders? I hear a lot of founders talking about how it can be lonely because even if you have people around you constantly, you're sort of the only one making certain decisions. Even if you have a team of people that work for you, you guys can be sort of comrades in the vision, but you're still the leader. You're You're still the one making these decisions it can be isolating. Have you found that to be the case? Or are there other women around you that are sort of your advisory board that you can connect with who are at a level where you can be really honest about what's going on, what you're dreaming about, what's going
1: on in the business, good, bad, or otherwise? I do. I would love to build a network of something like this, but I, I do have two very close friends. As a matter of fact, they are the founding owners of Stride. They started it. And they are, you know, an ultimate success story because here they are, two women that came together, opened it in Pasadena, and then that company, Exponential, that I mentioned before, you know, came and saw something very promising and bought them out. So they are very much a sounding board for me. I need that basic brutality, the honest, right? Like I need to hear the the constructive criticism versus everyone's like, that's a great idea, Michelle. Yeah, I don't need that because I will run with it (laughs) and may not be the right thing to do, so. Yeah,
2: sometimes you don't need to run with it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. That's great. That's awesome that you have that sort of built in and that they're actually in a a similar industry, right? So then it's not just one female founder to another, but it's somebody who really understands the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm go back to think of expanding and you talked about, like, I know I'm in the right space because I come up with all of these ideas. I want to ask sort of the opposite question. How do you know when enough is enough and when to stop and when to be satisfied, at least for a season, with what you have built and to just expand that thing?
1: That's a great question. And I, I think that comes a lot of times from our gut, you know, mm-hmm. where you're starting to feel a little bit of resentment um, for mm-hmm. either the time that you're putting in. In this industry, um, I want to serve and I want to help, you know, that fulfills me. But when it starts to feel like I'm taking away time from either my family or from things that personally fill me up, then I it makes me t- stop and take a good look and say, okay, what can give? And sometimes it is at the price of telling someone you do want to help, telling them no and setting a boundary, which is so hard for me. But um, I, I think creating that space opens up a lot more space for some other things.
2: We hear that a lot, right? Our no's mean yeses somewhere else and our yeses mean no's somewhere else. And I think that's a good rule to live by. From your early days in tennis to where you are now, you have sort of found, and I bring this up, Because I think a lot of our listeners who are trying to figure out what's next for them, they're really assessing, Mm -hmm. okay, what tools do I have? What talents do I have? What experience do I have? And what do I want to do next? You're somebody from an early age who has been in this kind of physical space. And then, you know through the story that you've already told have found your way here amassing uh, you know followers that were other mommies things like that but it really is the intersection of kind of who you naturally are what you naturally lean toward and then there were these opportunities these doors that open whether it was come teach a spin class come be on film you know come work at stride you took advantage of these certain opportunities do you think that All of these things that happen, right, as you were moving through the space were created by you and by what you were intending to do, that you were being intentional about the way you wanted to live your life and therefore these doors open? Or do you think these doors were open and you walked through them and decided at
1: that point, like, okay, I'm going to make something of this? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Sometimes opportunities happen and they intersect because you're there at the right time and there's that skill that, you know, just meets it. Um, never in a million years would I have told you, you know, when I first started my career that, Michelle, you're going to be on camera, you know, teaching on-demand stride classes and then now have this platform where, you know, you, you can help women from all over the country, mm-hmm. you know, in midlife. The tennis part and the discipline part and the way that I was brought up. Instilled in me, which again can be a detriment, that you know, uh, goal setting, go getter uh, personality. Like if you give me a to do list, come hell or high water, I'm gonna check everything off that list. Once I set my mind to something and I have an idea, I'm gonna see it through till the end. I think it's just a little bit of all of those things. Those those wonderful opportunities that presented itself, giving me the confidence to take the next step, and then ideas coming right from teaching online to like I can create my online yeah. my own online programs. And, uh, you know, um, even by default, like having the pandemic hit, okay, I have time to create my protein powder now. I got a lot of experience with being on Zoom now. So using those circumstances and turning them into basically learning opportunities, it expanded.
2: I mean, you hear all the time people just say, you got to start. You got to start somewhere. You got to do something. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we start is we're telling other people around us. We're sort of announcing to the world, like, hey, this is the direction I'm heading in. And then those doors and windows can actually open. There's opportunity for them to reveal themselves to both us and, and to other people. You come to mind because somebody saw you in a fitness club, right? And it's like, hey, she's working here. What if we have her teach this class? That wouldn't happen if you weren't already leaning into what you thought you might want to be doing. So true. Even if you don't know what the big picture is. What surprised you about being your own boss? What surprised you in the, in the good way? And then what surprised you in the, in the negative or bad way?
1: In the good way, I was surprised at how creative that I was. The things that I came up with, the programs, um, the programming, you know, for example, the five-day strong, not skinny reset just was born really from, through my research and just wanting to p- give that message out there to women of like, look, this is a five-day metabolic reset program, but it's not about being skinny. Mm-hmm. And just putting all of that together in one package that, you know, only lasted five days, I think took a lot of creativity. Um, so that kind of stuff surprised me. I think the, the negative part, and, and this probably is, holds true for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, is, is that feeling of not being enough. The imposter syndrome that we often get struck with when we think, well, gosh, you know, here's a, maybe I have a new program or I have a new client coming on board. Like, am I going to know enough? I just, I get it every time. So, no matter how many times I do it.
2: Yeah. And you hear that with entrepreneurs who are starting out and with entrepreneurs who are, who've been doing the same thing for 20 years, you hear the same thing over and over again. I wonder if this was a podcast for men, if we would hear that as much. I
1: don't know. I don't think so. I bet they feel it, but they wouldn't feel. They wouldn't be able to express it. Yeah,
2: that might be. And it's not to say that they don't have their own insecurities at all. I, I think, of course they do. But I think there's something about us stepping into that, women stepping into that space where, again, to your point, maybe we're just honest about it. That's all. And one of the things that you do that I think is really cool, if you're on your... Instagram, you are often highlighting other women that you're working Mm -hmm. with. I mean, just now you talked about the two women at Stride, but there's a woman that you work with who does meal prep. And you guys have partnered quite a bit together. And before I knew you, I saw you on other people's platforms where you were talking about health or fitness or something. So it seems like it's meaningful for you to also bring other women, highlight other women in the space. Is that true? Or did I just happen upon a a few moments where you did that?
1: It's so true. I think we can all support each other. As women, we are by nature, we're nurturers, and we're so Mm -hmm. used to you know, building people up, whether it be, you know, our kids, our our significant others and things like that. And and Jean, you just touched upon her. And she has such a, takes such a big part of my heart because she came to me when I was teaching um, workout classes in my driveway. And it was not long after her mother passed away. So Mm. she found this group and it was, we had four or five other women there. We all embraced her and took her in. And from where that was, um, gosh, that was 2018. To now, where she's she's thriving and she's really found her voice and her space in making these meals for basically other women. And they're all the meals from my database. So, a lot of people who follow my meal plans, it's like, okay, gee, you know, they trust what she's making. And we, her and I, are always going back and forth and like, okay, you know, I'll take this out and put this in. And so we make it right. exactly how I want it. <laughs> but she, I'm not a cook and she just is, I don't know if you've tried her meals. They're beautiful. She puts, All of her care into not making it only taste good, but be aesthetically pleasing. So um, I'm so grateful for Jean.
2: Yeah, it's I haven't tried them, but I know several people who have, and they all talk about how delicious it is, and and also just how convenient it is when you're trying something new. And Michelle's got you on a particular reset. Then it's (laughs) nice to be have have somebody else, you know, make whatever whatever that is. It just one less thing you have to battle as you're you're going through that five day or six week in my case. Yeah. Your reputation locally, we've talked a lot about that. Like before I knew you, I knew lots of people that knew you. And I had heard the strong, not skinny hashtag over and over again before we finally met. How is it that you think about, and maybe it's through your protein powder and now this course for women going through menopause, which I didn't know about until we started chatting, but how do you imagine scaling beyond the local or is that something you want to do is to really scale beyond kind of a a local offering?
1: I do want to scale beyond the local offering, but that's not to say, I mean, my roots are here. I am so Mm -hmm. grateful for this community. You know, again, some of them who used to wheel their strollers up to my workouts and have just continued to grow with me as well. But it would be nice because I just, I think this message needs to get out there, especially to women that are in our age group. And it's not about being skinny anymore. You know, we got to think about, you know what we want to look like in 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Do you, you know, I want to be strong and be able to lift my grandchildren up, grab some luggage on my way to Bali. You know, this kind of stuff. And yeah, and we're not <laughs> going to do that by following the philosophy of I need to be as skinny and lean as possible and starve myself and do double cardio. You know, which I feel like that was the way of the you know that we were in the past. Um, so if I could get this message out to as many women as I can, I would be so pleased.
2: Talk about that for a minute. One of the things I learned from you, I'd heard it occasionally, again, on Instagram or whatever, but at this stage in life, like, it's not about the cardio, it's about the strength training. Talk about that for Mm -hmm. a second. And why is that the case? What shifted in our bodies that all of a sudden we need more weight um, resistance training than we do cardio?
1: Unfortunately, the thing that happens once we hit 35 is we start to naturally lose, lose muscle. Um, and this will happen to you know, anybody, no matter how fit you are. So sarcopenia is real. And if you don't partake in a resistance training program, the loss of muscle um, can create a cascade of issues, starting with, you know, could be metabolic disease like diabetes, insulin resistance, mm. those types of things, on down to right falls and um, just an overall detriment to your health. And we know that falls later on in life likely leads to death after two years, they say. So building that muscle now, um, even if it's really starting with just body weight, is going to be so important as you get older. The other thing that muscle does, which I think we gloss over, is independent of insulin, when we contract our muscle, it reuptakes glucose and it puts it into the muscle cell. So what a lot of times what we're seeing happening to women at this age who've never had it before, you go into the doctor... Your fasting glucose is a little high. Your hemoglobin A1C is is creeping up, right? That's generally due to the loss of muscle. Wow. So cardio is not going to do that for you. I thought there was
2: something about the strength training that was tricking our body into thinking it was cardio. I didn't realize that there was actually something happening biologically that
1: was informing things like glucose. Who knew? And that's the most important thing. I mean, and, you know, When we have more muscle in our body, I talked a little bit about the resting metabolic rate meta when we did your test, the higher that number goes. Mm -hmm. So who wouldn't want to be burning a massive amount of calories while sitting around, right? That's what muscle is going to do. Cardio will not do that. Building muscle is going to shape your body, change your body composition. And cardio, okay, Mm -hmm. it's going to help your heart, but it's just, it's not going to do that. Not saying don't do cardio, but the types of cardio we do, we have to be careful. Sure. I should
2: say that too. I know for me, and I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but I know for me, you were always encouraging, get those 10,000 steps in every day. Like, so it wasn't that I wasn't being active. Mm -hmm. I wasn't ignoring cardio. It was just, I wasn't stepping on a treadmill for two hours, which I wasn't doing anyway, let's be honest. But (laughs) for those who do... They would be ill-advised to go that route, given what we know about how our bodies are changing and what our bodies are actually asking us for. Mm -hmm. What are some other hints or tips, resources for women in this stage of life, in this 40, 50, 60-year-old stage of life, with regard to either fitness, like you just mentioned with the strength training, or... Uh, food intake? What are some things that maybe we need to shift what we've been doing or the way we've been doing it? You talked about protein, for example.
1: Yeah, great questions. As I talked about in this last question, it was prioritizing strength training over cardio. And if it's cardio, let's, mm-hmm. you know, take some walks, maybe keep it steady state. You know, you don't have to do those crazy hit workouts. And the other thing, the protein, prioritizing protein, we should be having 100 to 120 grams of protein per day. And if in case your listeners don't know what that looks like, I was going to ask, yeah, right? Like chicken breast, for example, if you look at your hand, one whole size of your hand, including your fingertips and two hands thick is going to be about four to five ounces. That's going to have about 30 grams. I mean, not an exact, maybe 30 to 35 grams. So if you're wanting to hit that 100-gram goal, you're going to need to have a big piece of chicken with your salad at lunch, not yeah. that two ounces that they give you at restaurants, right? You need to ask for double. Yeah. That protein shake in the morning, you add your scoop and a half, and that's going to be 30 you know, or 40. It's more than you think. And that's what's going to help stimulate that growth hormone so we can counteract that sarcopenia. It's going to make you feel fuller longer. And again, it's gonna help you build that muscle and recover that muscle, which is so important, so important as we age.
2: I remember one of the days, I was far along in the six weeks, so call it week four or something, but I think I had like some boiled eggs that were in my snack and some boiled eggs that were in one of my meals, I can't remember. And at some point I was like, I cannot believe I'm eating, I'm eating so much more than I was eating, but I'm seeing the benefits, I did see the benefits I was doing it around the holidays, which I don't recommend because that was tricky, but I still lost 10 pounds. Amazing. And I've still been able to sustain, I wouldn't say that level of protein all the time, but I sort of have retrained my brain. And it's like, okay, just pack in as much protein as you can. And I did, one of the the things I felt immediately was energy. And I don't know if that's a direct result of protein, but I did feel more energized. Can you talk about water for a second? Because I think that's the grossly underestimated, um, most of us, the power of water.
1: Yes, water. I mean, we're mostly made of water. So we need to be having half our body weight in ounces a day. If you're 140 pounds, that's 70 ounces. The first thing you do when you wake up, I think this is a great habit because we actually get dehydrated in our sleep, you know, just by inhaling and exhaling. Pour yourself an eight ounce glass of water, squeeze some lemon in it. Don't leave the kitchen until you finish drinking that. Start your day off that way. The more hydrated we are, the more our body is able to actually flush out the toxins. Um, our, you know, mm-hmm. we have a better cellular function. Um, headaches and hunger actually get regulated. So, you know, again, not overhydrating, but but definitely, uh, you know, aim for that half your b- body weight in ounces. Uh, you know, to keep your body running efficiently. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I think those, those
2: three takeaways alone were, were worth listening to the podcast <laughs> for our listeners. You had talked earlier about some things that, um, whether they were things you were tweaking with Gene or things that you had learned and unlearned from your early days in the fitness and nutrition space. What of those things um, were you surprised perhaps to learn about women in midlife?
1: I think this goes back to the one size fits all. And a lot of the diet nutrition Mm -hmm. information out there, whether it be from the types of diets from keto to paleo to intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. they were studied on and designed by men. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in my early days, I was like, okay, you know, I can do this keto thing. It's fine. And the intermittent fasting thing, longer is better. I'm losing weight. And it worked until it didn't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as a woman, because we deal with the hormonal fluctuations and there's an additional stressor put on our body when we adhere to these diets all of the time, you're going to start to see some negative side effects. One of the things that happened to me, I was keto, strict keto for three and a half years. And it worked at the beginning. I love the way I felt. And if people don't know what the ketogenic diet is, it's basically eating no carbs so that your body um, runs on fat for fuel. I started getting my levels and my blood glucose was like borderline high. And it was because my body was saying, look, you don't, you're not giving us enough fuel, not enough carbohydrates. Your body can do this. It's called um, gluconeogenesis, not to get too technical, but it will make its own blood sugar. Oh, wow. If you are too low. doesn't happen to everybody. But I think it's just, I thought, you know, what worked is just going to work continuously. And if it doesn't work, start doing it harder. Just growing up being that, you know, collegiate tennis player is like, go hard or go home, you know, and I realized, no, it's okay, Michelle, you're going to have some rice, you're going to have some bananas. And same thing, like kind of happened to you started eating more, and I've not felt better, losing weight, feeling stronger, not necessarily losing weight, but just feeling stronger. So I think that's what it is, we get kind of stuck in our ways. And we think that, you know, because it's out there talked about by this, you know, respected influencer or doctor that it's it's going to work. And maybe it does at the beginning, but um we have to really... Um, Take a good look at how do we feel, you know, what's really going on and why, why are we doing this?
2: If we think about a pair of jeans, right? I can see a really cute pair of jeans on one of my friends, but that pair of jeans doesn't look the same on me. If we can, if we can think about something as simple as that, then I think we should be able to think about how we're fueling our bodies as having to be unique to our bodies Mm -hmm. and having to really think about Um, not just the stage in life, but our particular makeup. Mm -hmm. It was great for me to work one-on-one with somebody because I then had a better sense of what my body needed, what I needed to do to fuel it appropriately. I, in fact, did need to lose weight. Um, So that was an important thing to me, both I think for my own health and my own like feeling good in my own body. You talk about strong, not skinny, and I think that's an important thing for women to hang on to. But for me, it was a two-part program, I I will say. There were were two goals that I wanted to achieve in that. When you launched your services, you talked about being 40, right? Mm -hmm. That you Mm -hmm. were like, okay, I'm actually starting this. I'm taking on this entrepreneurial role at 40. And you talked about a lot of the women who were in the same space, or a lot of a lot of the people that were in the same space being in their 20s, probably 30s. As you've grown this company and you said you're now 47, I think. So you've mm-hmm. it's been seven years of you growing this platform, expanding it, scaling it beyond your um th- that initial group of women who came to you as moms. There must be women who have looked to you, looked at you. Um, as an example, they've been inspired by you and what you've done in this early midlife stage. What would you say to a woman who said to you, well, good for you, Michelle, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't start something new at this stage. What would you say to her?
1: I would first ask her the question of what those barriers are in her mind, just to get a better understanding. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say to any woman that's thinking about starting and she's in her 40s, it's, it's never too late. And what you have to offer, even if you feel like the space is saturated, because my goodness, the fitness industry, it is a saturated space. Yeah. Um, what you have is going to be unique than what anybody else has. And there are many, many women or customers out there that want to hear what you have to say. You don't need the whole world, yeah. right, to buy from you. you. You just need your people. So um, there's plenty of opportunity. It's never too late.
2: You're a great example of that from the driveway and the few women that met with you there to the women who showed up you know, it, with their strollers. And then just, again, every door you walked through to expand that. It's a testimony to what it means to just take that first step and then that second step and then that third step and, and look where you found yourself. Before we let you go, we have our fast five. So just really quickly to start off, what's something you
1: do to stay grounded? I gratitude journal. Three things I'm grateful for. Just write it out real quick, but that's what I do.
2: How many years have you been doing that? I started it three
1: years ago. That's awesome. Right around the time self all started.
2: And then what is something that you're currently reading? It could be for work or it could be for pleasure.
1: For pleasure. I love reading all the murder mysteries. The last thing he told me, I just started it and I'm hooked. I love it. Okay.
2: Okay. We'll make sure that that's in the show notes because people love these recommendations. And what do you do? Somebody who is helping other people, you know, figure out how to physically amp up their life and step into their own health and wellness journey. What do you do to relax?
1: I love walking my dog. You do? Just being out in nature with him. And I don't. I love dogs, but my dog especially, Golden Retriever, and his <laughs> ears are bouncing and he's just sniffing. He's looking at squirrels. That to me is just my meditation.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's good to get out. And I think there's so much science behind like being in nature and what it does to calm us and having that be a consistent part of your practice. I can see how that would be a relaxing thing. And what would you say to... 25-year-old Michelle about midlife. What would you want her to know about this season that you are in and and will be in
1: for some years? Stop chasing unrealistic body goals. That's what I would tell her. Wow. I'm sure you have to say that to lots
2: of people that you work with too and so you can you mm-hmm. can be coming from a, a personal place when you talk about those things. You understand that pain point. Yes. And then the last thing is, how has growing this platform, all things Michelle Cannon fitness, how has growing it and impacting so many people, how has that liberated you as a person, as a
1: woman? Oh, my goodness, this question. Uh And it may get a little emotional. It's been quite a journey for me, including, right, fighting my inner demons of really loving my own body. You know, I think people may have the illusion that if you're a fitness person in this space, like you just, you know, are so proud of your body and you have this. No, I mean, it hasn't been always the case for me. Um, and then making some tough decisions in my life, leaving a relationship that was was abusive and letting go and being vulnerable and really believing, like, I-, I can do this. This is something mm-hmm. that is my path and my calling. And then the reinforcement really was just changing women's lives when I started to, to see that. And that's the liberation in itself, just really feeling powerful, like, this is me. I'm doing this. You know, it's no one else mm-hmm. creating it for me, you know. Yeah. But it comes from finding that deep love for yourself, which is still a work in progress, but um, a lot of acceptance there. Of course.
2: It occurs to me, Michelle, that as you did the work of liberating yourself, the result was liberating other people. Mm -hmm. As you liberated other people, you then became liberated yourself. There's something really beautiful about how those two things work hand in hand. And by serving you received and by um, serving yourself, you were able to give. Thank you for sharing that. I don't think we've ever heard an answer like that. I appreciate it. Michelle, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I so appreciate your time. I appreciate your expertise and sharing what you know. The, just little nuggets. We got little nuggets from you about our own health and fitness journey in this stage of life. And I'm so glad that our audience will have access to you and be able to reach out to you, and especially with hearing about this new program. That's
1: awesome. But thank you for spending this time with us. You're so welcome. I'm honored to be here and to um, speak with you today, Nada. And Liberty listeners,
2: we're so grateful for you. Thank you for hanging out with Michelle and with me. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to move into your middle third with intention. Liberty Road is created by executive producer Netta Jones, supervising producer Elizabeth Windham, producer Julia Windham, and music by Jack Jones.